I can't tell you how excited I am that you guys are connecting with us today. This is the second week of our Be Rich to Others series. And inside of the series, I'm talking about what does it mean to be a Jesus follower to discover that you have been elected. Turn your attention from focusing on D.C. You've been elected to do a unique work in this time in the life of our nation and in the life of our world. And so uh, here's the first thing I want you to do. Uh, If you're watching on Facebook, push that share button. Let's share this message far and wide. If you're not on Facebook, I want you to share the link to the website. Now, while you guys are sharing, let me just say a couple of things. Last week, we recorded in a very unique environment because we were recording at Cathedral Faith, a church here in San Jose. Here's why. We were uh, transporting all of our recording equipment from our Ridwood City campus, where we typically record, right here to our new campus in San Jose. So I want to just give a super shout out to the pastor of Cathedral Faith, uh, Pastor Ken Foreman, his entire team. They've been over backwards to be a blessing to us. You guys were the bomb. And I just want to celebrate and give God praise that we have finally arrived at our campus, renovated campus right here in San Jose. All of our online recording from this point forward will happen in this facility. And check it out, check it out. When God allows us to regather in person, uh, we'll be regathering in Ridwood City at one campus. I'll be teaching and preaching there live. We'll be regathering here at our second campus in San Jose. And we will continue to provide ministry just like we're doing now online for all of you who are now connected with our community, both across the country and across the world. Speaking of those of you who are connected with our community across the world, I want to give a shout out to uh, Nigeria, Nigeria, who is watching along with her family from Nairobi, Kenya. Hey, Nigeria. And also to Lincoln, who's watching from Bangladesh. What's up, Lincoln? Thank you guys so much for being a part of of our MBCC community. One last thing. The reason why we have these two campuses in this online ministry is because of the phenomenal generosity of those of you who are our partners and friends of the MBCC, both local and global communities. So can I just say thank you? You guys are the bomb. Let's pray. God, we give you thanks and praise for this ordained orchestrated moment in the life of the person that's listening and in my life. So would you just pour out your spirit, do the supernatural, the unexpected, the, 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 the unimaginable through this teaching moment. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right. If you were with us last week, you know that I started off by talking about the fact that if you're a Jesus follower, you have been elected. The question is, elected to do what? Well, you have been elected to transmit Jesus' redemptive love in a broken world. Today, I'm going to challenge you to do that in two ways. First, I'm going to challenge you to do it by participating along with us in our annual Be Rich, Be Rich to Others outreach effort. And I want to just take a few moments and explain to you what that is. First, let me start with the scripture that inspires this, uh, this, what is our annual effort. Here it is. Paul is talking to Timothy, the young pastor that he's mentoring, and he's saying, look, uh, as you take charge of your flock, here's what you need to teach them. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. In other words, be rich to others. And so that's what we're going to do, joining together. 
and blessing those who are in need by the tens of thousands across this country uh, and across the globe. And, uh, and we're going to do it through ex- extravagant generosity. And we're not going to do it as Americans or as Republicans or as Democrats. We're going to do it as Jesus followers. Here's how it's going to go. Listen, our focus is on serving. Somebody shall serve. So we're going to be serving over the next several weeks through prayer, through love, and through giving. First prayer. We're encouraging all of you to spend at least five minutes a day praying uh, for this nation. And we're on the second week here, so we're asking you to pray for practical needs. Go to our website. We have the specifics there. But we're talking about things like pray for those who are unemployed, for the homeless, for those who don't know where their next meal is going to come from, for the sick and for the shut-in. Pray. Also, we want you to be focused on loving. Can somebody shout love? And uh, on the love, what we've, uh, among our seven partners are two incredible organizations that's helping to create a roadmap for people to find their way up and out of poverty. And a huge part of their work is with the homeless. And uh, so with their guidance, we figured out how to put together what we call hygiene kits. And if you go to our website, you see the things that we want in that kit. And on December the 5th, uh, what we're asking all of our people to do who are in the local Bay Area, put your kits together and bring them to uh, our campus in San Jose me and our team will be there and we'll be ready to wave at you and and receive your kids. Do the same the next day on Sunday uh, at our Ridwood City uh, campus as well. Now, so as individuals, we encourage you to put some kids together. Uh, If you're a family, we're going to encourage you as parents and kids, you know, do the work together as a family. I had one family told me last week, they said they're going to put together 30 kids. Isn't that amazing? And last thing we want to do, is be rich to others through giving. And we're going to encourage everyone to give at least $39.95. Now, for some people, that's too much because you're unemployed. Best you'll be able to do is to give $5 as an investment, planting a seed in this work. For others among us, many like me, for example, this is far too little. So I'm going to challenge you to pray about what God is putting on your heart uh, so that you can give to this effort. And here's the deal. Every dime we raise, we're going to give it away to our seven partners. Let me just say a word about our seven partners. We've got uh, four schools, uh, a school in Nigeria, a school in Guatemala, and two schools right here in the local Bay Area who's doing phenomenal work serving under-resourced families. We've got the two programs that I told you about that's creating a, a roadmap for people to rise up out of poverty. And we want to do, be a blessing to those who've lost their homes by the thousands due to the fires that you've been reading about uh, here in the California area. So here's our goals as we conclude. Listen, our goals. We want to mobilize 65,000 minutes of God's people praying for for this nation we want 2,000 hygiene kits minimum of 2,000 hygiene kits that we can distribute to these two uh, homeless programs here now listen if you're not local in the bay area just go to our website and we have an instrument at our on our website that will allow you to find a homeless program near where you live anywhere across the country Uh, And if there is not a homeless program, there are other serving opportunities that you can do during the first week in December. But we ask you to make sure you pay attention to the public health laws around COVID. All right. And then uh, lastly, we intend to raise at least $75,000 and give every dime of it away in the name of Jesus Christ. Okay. so here's why I want to wrap it up. Uh, make sure you go to our website. You get all the information that you need. Now, on our website, we have our seven partners and we have a video with each partner so you can get experience who they are. I want you to check this video out about this amazing partner. 
I remember having this urge to do something, but I didn't quite, I hadn't quite figured out what it was. So I'm sitting in the congregation, I remember sitting kind of like in the middle pew, just you know, listening to pastor preaching, particularly about um, dreaming crazy big and doing what Jesus will do. I remember just having this sensation and this thought in my head, go relaunch that school. started by my dad, born out of his desire and his passion for educating young kids. He set up this school to serve this low-income community in Nigeria. He really wanted to help these kids, but he, he honestly just couldn't. Eventually, he had to shut it down because he couldn't keep up with the deficit, and unfortunately, the kids themselves could not um, really pay. After I got that word that I should go reopen like dad's school, like can you believe in that crazy? I picked up the phone, my dad lives in, in Nigeria and I called him and I was like, oh my God, dad, I had this amazing thought and vision and mandate and I was like, you know, God is telling me to go reopen Agape, but this time as a free school, you know, make this, you know, a gift to the community and, you know, help these children. You know, he's like, that's a great idea. Let's do it. That was it. Let's do it. That was exactly what my dad said. Give us this day. And forgive us our trespasses. I remember thinking, this is crazy. Like, how am I going to get this done? But at the same time, I remember thinking, I mean, if God wants it done, then he'll get it done. This is me acting in obedience. I think that helps me dwarf my fears. We're so proud of Basirio and her team that's working there in Nigeria. And so I want to challenge you, join our Be Rich to Others effort. Make sure you commit today. Now, I want to talk to you about the second way, for the rest of this message, the second way that we're called to transmit the redemptive love of Jesus in the world. And uh, it is essentially... Uh, found in this passage here in 2 Chronicles 7.14. I told you last week that this is a big day uh, in Israel's uh, history. The beautiful temple has been built. Solomon is dedicating it. God is looking down the line of time. And he's essentially saying, look, there's going to come a day when the nation is going to go off course. And if in that day my people who will understand. See, the elect of God in this text uh, is the nation of Israel. And so if my people can get their act together, I'll be able to heal the land. And, and the elect of God today in America, uh, uh, well, that's, that's the church, those of us who are Jesus followers. So this word in this ancient text to this community of Israel is a word and a roadmap for us today. So let's read this text. God says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray 
and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin. And I will heal their land. And so here's the invitation, guys. Uh, I want to challenge you to be active. As a matter of fact, Jesus, I believe, is challenging you through me to be active in spreading the redemptive love of Jesus by participating in God's work of healing our land. Now, let me just pick up real quickly where we left off last week. And you'll recall that in the Gospel of John, chapter 20, uh, verse 21, after Jesus' resurrection, he shows up and he finds his disciples behind locked doors in the upper room. They are petrified of the people who are in power. They are, uh, are so uncertain about what tomorrow is going to bring. And if you listen close to that description, you'll hear some echoes of what's going on today, especially here in America. I, I might even be describing you. But Jesus shows up in this room and he says, Peace be with you. Come on, type in the chat. Peace be with you. In other words, Jesus said, chill out. I got this. I have all authority of heaven and earth. Watch this. Not only over life, but through my resurrection, I've got authority over death. And in other words, if you put your faith in the one who has authority over death, you don't have to worry about anything that you might encounter in life. And then he says, as the Father has sent me. Come on now. I'm sending you. In other words, if you're a Jesus follower, he's saying in this moment, I am making you a part of the elect of God. I am electing you. If you're thinking about being a Jesus follower, you need to hear Jesus is saying, I want to invite you to be a part of the elect of God. I want to elect you. How wonderful this is, right? That you can stop worrying about whatever is or isn't happening in D.C. And you can start focusing on right where you live, how to live out your calling. Now, just so that you know I'm not making this up, if you go to Colossians chapter 3 verse, uh, 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 chapter three, verse 12, you'll see uh, uh, that the writer there uh, describes the early Christian community exactly in these terms. Here's what he says. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved. Oh, so if you're a Jesus follower, can you just say, I've been elected. Come on now. <laughs> uh, can you just type that in the chat? I've been elected. Well, the question is elected to do what? Well, let me just reinforce what I said earlier. You've been erected, I've, I've kind of amplified it here, to do the difficult work of transmitting Jesus' redemptive love in a broken world. Can somebody shout difficult? Can you just type in the chat what words come to your mind when you hear the word difficult? Because here's what I'm trying to reinforce to you, that if you were Jesus, you're called to do the difficult, the painful, the costly, the sacrificial work of transmitting Jesus' redemptive. You know the word redemptive means? It means to, the power to restore broken relationships, the power to regenerate dead dreams, the power to renew creation itself and transform a broken world into a healed world. You've been elected into that work. If somebody's in the room with you say, he's talking about me. He's talking about me. Praise God. Notice how Second Peter leans in here and he challenges us now. Look at what Second Peter says. So therefore, my brothers and sisters, make 
every effort <laughs> when I was growing up. And if the preacher was preaching really well, some of the older sisters would say, put your weight on it. That's what, that's what, that's what Brother Peter said. He said, put your weight on it. Make every effort. Give it all you have to confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. Notice the word confirm. Shout confirm. Type it in the chat. Confirm. What does he mean by confirm? In other words, what he's saying is, uh, you are a Jesus follower? You're part of the elect of God? Prove it. Make every effort to prove it. Make every effort. Demonstrate it so that the whole world can see. Uh, let me frame it this way. Who's, who's the ultimate authority in your life? Is it Mr. Trump or Mr. Biden? Who's the ultimate authority? Is it the Democrats or the Republicans? Is it the right or the left? Is it your emotions? Is it, happen is it your history? Or is it Jesus who's Lord over all of those things? Who's the ultimate authority in your life? Here's, here's the point I want you to get. I'm not preaching this message to make you a better American. I'm preaching this message to help you to become a more mature and a more faithful Jesus follower, which is even far better than a good American. You know why? Because here's the deal. Here's what we know. That if the secular world, if the church, if God's people happen to do what God is calling us to do, then the church will be able to see the light of Jesus shining through us. But here's what's even more significant. God is using this moment of horrendous divisiveness in this country, the horrendous divisiveness that's in your family and that's among your friends. He's using this moment to help you to become more like his son Jesus. This is your classroom experience and you don't get, and you don't get to take a pass on this class and you don't get to test out of this class without taking it just because you can quote lots of scripture and just because you're moved when you're singing worship. So no, 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 no. You've got to take this class because at the end of the day, the way we become more like Jesus, come on, is that we end up loving more like Jesus and living more like Jesus and that's worked out as we engage in the difficult nitty-gritty work found in broken life and broken relationships. <laughs> you got to take the class. Listen, watch how Paul reinforces this point that I'm, I'm making about how you got to take a Tell somebody, I got to take the class. Come on, type it in the chat. Uh, you, you, I've got to take the class. Here's what Paul says, and we know that God causes everything to work together, including the divisiveness in our nation for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Uh, and, and what is the goal of this class? Watch what he says. Uh, the next verse, for God knew his people in advance and he chose or he elected them for one purpose, to become like his son. And we ultimately become like Jesus, not just by singing wonderful spirit-filled songs, not just by quoting and internalizing scripture. All of that is important, but ultimately we become more like Jesus as we seek to love the way Jesus loves in the brokenness of life. That's difficult. That's painful. That's your call. That's my call. So here's the question. How? How do we do this? Come on, just type that in the chat. How? How do we do this? Well, we'll go back to 714, 2nd Chronicles. It's, it's our roadmap. And God says, if my people who are called by my name would simply humble themselves 
And so the first thing you got to do is you got to be humble. Come on, can you just say out loud, be humble. Come on, say to somebody in the room, be humble. Come on, type in the chat, just be humble. Last week I told you what it meant. I told you that part of what it means to be humble is to realize that, that you don't have all the story. I don't care how much conviction you have. You don't have all the story. So you've got to posture yourself with a willingness to listen, open to learn from other people's stories. That's what you've got to do. Posture yourself. In that. Now, by the way, this works for marriages. This works for people who are dating. This, this works for folk who keep getting into it with their co-workers. Maybe it's time for you to hush. Type that in the chat. Hush. And listen to the other side of the story and acknowledge what you've heard. Here's the insight I want you to get. Listening and acknowledging. These are acts of love. Listen and acknowledge what you heard. Listen, I want you to remember this. I said it last weekend, I'll say it again. Behind every story, listen, behind every political conviction, there's a story. And entailed in every story, there's one of three things or sometimes a combination. Pain, fear, or need. Last week in our virtual social hall, which we have after each one of these gatherings, one of our participants said that the few days before, one of her friends who was on the other side of the political uh, association said something that was very offensive. And she said to him, Jesus is still on the throne. That was the best she could do. She says, but after listening to the teaching last week, she says she's going to go back to her. And out of a place of caring, she's going to say, let me hear the story behind your conviction. And she's going to listen for it with fear of pain. And when she hears that, she's going to acknowledge it. And where it's appropriate, she's going to, I've talked about this when we talked about dialogue across race, right? You listen, and when you hear somebody else's pain or their fear, you lament with them. You empathize with them. Why? Because she really cares for him. Look at, let's go back to Colossians uh, 3, 12. Let's look at the, 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 this translation of the verse. See, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself. In other words, when people experience you, this is what they ought to experience, even in this divisive culture. Close yourself with, and, and here's what this lady is going gonna, is gonna to model. Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. That's what it's like to love like Jesus. That's what she's going to do when she says, I want to hear your story because I care. You see, he's going to experience these qualities. So let, let me just say, uh, let me just tell this really quick story. I, you know, I talked last, year, last weekend about my work in Boston. We, we, we mobilized, built this organization called the Greater Boston Interfaith Organization. When I first got to Boston, man, everybody was so polarized. Uh, the Irish against the Italians, the Catholics against the Protestants, the liberal Christians against the conservative Christians, the, <laughs> the evangelical Pentecostals would never talk to the reformed Jewish people. But we started to have a commitment. We wanted to build an organization to help people marginalized. We knew we had to get to know each other. So we started exchanging stories. And 50 of us clergy 
kicked it off with our congregations. That grew into 5,000 conversations which gave birth to GBIO, which ultimately changed Boston. What I'm telling you about listening to other people's story, ready to empathize and not judge, that's the beginning step here. Secondly, so be humble, right? Secondly, I want to challenge you to be prayerful. But before I get there, let me just make one more quick point. Uh, A few days ago, I talked to some of my Republican friends. And I also received a letter from a young woman who's a Democratic young woman of color. Here's what she wrote. She said, there's a slice of it. I'm going to read the letter to you in a minute. But the slice of it, she says, listen, I'm full of so much anger over the fact of how many people voted for what she called this racist president. She was talking about Mr. Trump. That's what her words were. In the same week, I talked to some of my white Republican friends who said, you know, one of the things that make, me, make us so, that hurts me and my colleagues so, is that people are so quick to call us racist. Just because some of us voted for Mr. Trump. He went on to say, some of us voted for Mr. Trump, we, and we don't even like him. It wasn't that we were voting for him, it's what we were voting against, he explained. He proceeded to say, look, we were voting against uh, the takeover of a liberal press, come on, along with a liberal government. That's what we were voting against. And as I heard him and as I listened to the letter, I thought, man, I wish I could get these two people in the same room. And if I could program them to listen and to acknowledge what they heard, the conversation would go something like this. The young African-American woman would say, well, tell me your story. And they would lay out just what I just communicated to you. And she would go, because she's listening and she's acknowledging, she's going to go, wow, I I never heard this before. Can I say back to you what I'm hearing you say? What I'm hearing you say, sir, is that you're afraid of the liberal media and the liberal government uh, binding together to disenfranchise you of your rights. Is that right, sir? He would say, absolutely, that's exactly right. And, and sir, you're saying that you're afraid of the combination of the liberal media and the liberal government working together to oppress you. Is that right, sir? He would say, absolutely, that's it. And then she would go, wow, what a hard moment. I don't understand why we've been fighting, you see, because if anybody understands what it means to be disenfranchised, it's this young African-American girl. If anybody understands what it means to be oppressed, it's this young African-American girl. So, so, so if you're afraid of being disenfranchised, and I'm afraid of being disenfranchised, the revelation here is we're dealing with two different sides of the same fear. You see what happens when people listen, ready to learn. God says Jesus followers ought to be leading in this way, starting with the people in your house, the folk in your relationships. The second thing that the scripture teaches us as a roadmap, he says, A, we've got to be humble, but secondly, we've got to be prayerful. Come on, can somebody shout, be prayerful. Look at what Second Chronicles says in the sense of my people, where they would humble themselves. Now, you got to get all of this now and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Now, when you keep all three of those things together, what the writer is talking about here, he's not just saying if my people would just pray. He's talking about a certain kind of prayer that positions them to be an instrument of healing. Let me illustrate. The other day, somebody sent me a, a Facebook posting 
posted by one of the members of NBCC who's a Jesus follower, who I love. I know love the Lord. He didn't write this post, but he posted it because it expresses his sentiments. Let me read it real quickly. These are just excerpts from it. All of you who voted for Biden or should I say Kamala, better own it for the next four years. I don't want to hear you're complaining about your taxes going up or gas prices doubling. Don't complain when you're upside down in your mortgage. Don't complain when you bring home less on your paycheck because you've been penalized for climate justice. Don't complain when your automotive job is eliminated because it is shipped back to China. Don't complain when your otherwise safe communities are now overrun by crime and start resembling Chicago. Don't complain when the education system goes down. You obviously don't vote your paycheck or your future. You vote for your feelings. What do you hear in that? I'll tell you what you hear. You, you hear anger. Behind that anger, you hear fear. You also hear a little hurt. Do you know what's missing? Love. <laughs> it's so easy to lose sight in this divisive culture of love. And then, may, may I show you the letter that I got from the young woman that I was talking about a few moments ago? She wrote me after my message from last week. Here's what she wrote uh, in the letter. She says, hi, Pastor Herman, I wanted to reach out to you because I'm having a hard time doing your homework assignment. This is from last week. I had a hard time with your sermon this uh, week. I understand it's important not to judge people, but these last four years have made me harder. I, I want to come together and listen like you teach, but I'm still so angry. Angry all the time, she writes. Angry that I lost my job. Angry that the color of my skin has always dictated my possibilities. I'm angry that millions of people voted for a racist dictator. That's the line that I was quoting. How can I do what you suggested, by implication, she writes here, with so much anger and division, even amongst my own family. All right, what do you hear here? What do you hear? Well, first of all, you hear anger. What's behind the anger? You hear pain. You also hear the implications of fear for the future. What's missing in what you hear here? What's missing? <laughs> it's so easy to lose sight of love. You see, I have to tell both of these Jesus followers that they are called, they are elected to do the difficult, painful, hard work of transmitting the love of, of, of God in this broken world. And therefore, they've got to hear their Lord and their Savior, the one that they take their orders from, declare to them, love your neighbors. But you've got to also hear him declare, love your enemies. You got to hear this, this one that we are following in Jesus Christ says the difference between you and all the other Republicans and all the other Rep uh, Democrats and all the other folk is that, is that, come on now, you are motivated not merely by your love for the people that you're supporting, but you're also motivated by your love for those that are on the other side of the issue. You want everybody redeemed. You want everybody helped. You want everybody elevated and blessed even if you're disagreeing with him. What's missing is love. 
All right, now I've backed into what's unique about the prayer in Second Chronicles seven fourteen. What's unique about that prayer? You know, a few days ago, I organized a mobilized prayer here at NBCC. I got 30, 40 people together. That was before we got the congregation involved. And I said, listen, guys, I need you to pray for the nation. And I identified what we needed to pray for. And I said, look, I need you to pray for the church. And I identified what we needed to pray for. Because after all the scriptures, if my people come running, what humbleness doesn't pray, we need to pray. And all that is so important. All that's good. And they're implored and they're praying and it is making a difference. But that's not the kind of praying that the Chronicles is talking about. No, what he's talking about is the kind of prayer that that young woman needs to do. And she represents millions of Jesus followers in this world. It's the kind of prayer that that that, that gentleman needs to do with the Facebook post. And he represents millions of Jesus followers in this world. It is, it, it is, he says, if you will pray and seek my face, in other words, seek my presence, my mercy, my grace to flood into your life. Come on now and turn from your own. He says, wicked, I would say broken ways in your heart. In other words, he's saying, pray for your heart. Pray about yourself. Pray about your heart. Come on, somebody shout, pray about my heart. You got to pray about your heart. Why do I need to pray about my heart? Because of the brokenness that's dripping in it. Listen. When I was a little boy growing up in Cachetta, Louisiana, we had a, lived in a house that had a back room that had a leak in it. And when we'd go through a rainstone, I'd get a bucket and I'd put the bucket under the leak. And I'd go back after a few hours. Uh, the next day, the bucket would be running over. But, 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 but the leak was just a drip, drop, drip, drop. So I got back. I'm shocked that it's running over. This is part of what the young woman is dealing with, part of what this young man is dealing with, part of what you and I are dealing with. Sometimes we can become so fixated, come on now, so fixated uh, 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 on the, 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 the one who hates that we're totally unaware of the drip drop impact on our hearts that's making us ourselves hateful. Sometimes we can become so concentrated on, 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 on the one that has abused that we're totally unaware of the drip drop effect in our hearts that's transforming us into abusive people. Sometimes we can become so focused on the, the one who is doing the work oppressing that we're, we're unaware of the drip drop effect on our hearts that's transforming us into people who are dreaming about what it would feel like to oppress our enemies. And so God says, you want me to heal the land? Start praying that I heal your heart in the midst of the bitterness and in the midst of the brokenness. Let me heal you. Well, how, how, how do I get there? Listen, I'm preaching to me. I'm telling you what I've got to live through. I, I wake up in the morning after watching the news. And you know the first thing I've got to do? Come on now. I've got to, I've got to confess. That's what he's tearing the people in Second Chronicles. You've got to confess. Come on now. Where your heart is leading you astray. God, I watch the news. I heard this and I'm watching this and this is so unjust and this is so sick and, and it's making me feel a certain kind of way about a person or a people and yet you died for that person or for those people. God drip drop some grace and some love and some mercy. God I confess and I surrender. I surrender to your authority. That's the kind of praying that he means in 2 Chronicles 7 14. 
If you pray that way, he says, then turn. I can use you. And through you, I can heal. This is where we're going to stop. God bless you. God bless you. Make sure you don't miss next week. I'm, I, you don't want to miss next week. Come on. Let me, let me, let me do a couple of real quick things. Here's a reflection question. I want you to take a picture of it. In what ways will I pray about my heart? Take a picture of that. I want you to wrestle with that. Right? What are you going to be confessing? How are you going to surrender? Secondly, I want you to go to our app and go to our next steps on our connection cards. And, uh, and, and, and when you get to the next steps, there's going to be some options there. And among them is the opportunity to say yes to Jesus. Because at the end of the day, what both of those people say, well, how do I unharden my heart? You got to ask Jesus to transmit some of that redemptive love that you got to convey. You got to transmit it to you. And I'm telling you that Jesus specializes in doing the supernatural work of love in your heart. The one who says love your enemies can empower you to do it. You can't do it on your own. And there's some other steps there. Finally, the response to the message. I want to challenge you to, 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 to pay attention to the response to the message. Just, uh, this is all about saying yes to our Be Rich outreach. And uh, so all you have to do is to check yes. And that means I'm committing to doing the praying, the loving, and the giving. And then lastly, uh, you know, after you've done all that, make sure you share this message. People need to hear this message. And don't forget, don't forget to be praying for the practical needs of our people. And don't forget to begin to put together those uh, hygiene kits.